you know, what is that headline going to look like? Mm-hmm. Is it going to say, uh, you know, Jeff gets ousted as CEO for berating or degrading employees, which just happened to the right. away CEO, yeah. the suitcase company? Yeah. Or is it going to say, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos is a great CEO, right? Uh, and continues to drive the market value of that company. What is your headline going to be New York Times? Welcome to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, this is going to be a good one. I have two guest hosts with me, my good friends, Kieran O'Brien and Jeff, a.k.a. J.R. Garage. And our guest today is the one and only Josh Snow. Thanks so much for coming on, brother. guys. Thanks for visiting the, the snow cave. Hey, absolutely. So first off, Kieran, Jeff, this is different. We're all from the same town. We've never been guest hosts on the podcast. How do you feel? Yeah. Yeah, excited. Let's go. We're all from Virginia. All got different perspectives <laughs> yeah. and ideas, and all things we bring yeah. to the table. And got some exciting questions for Josh today. For sure. So, so Josh, we're at the the snow cave, like you said. For those who may not know what snow teeth whitening is, what is snow? Where did it come from? Snow is, um, I mean, snow is essentially um, the crest and Colgate of the future. Um, is is how I like to to summarize it. Um, we're a, a different customer based than a lot of uh, toothpaste and mouthwash companies, but um, we're definitely a, a, you know, essentially what you see happening with direct-to-consumer companies, there's an upgrade in deodorant, there's an upgrade in body wash, there's an upgrade in cologne, there's an upgrade in clothing. Um, but uh, oral care has been kind of left behind. So, you know, we're in the business of selling confidence at the end of the day. So um, the smile being a big piece of that. So we started off as snow teeth whitening. Uh, now we're known as snow laboratories. We don't sell anything we haven't invented or created. Um, you know, over a million monthly shoppers, 500,000 Instagram followers. Um, and now we've got a bunch of exciting stuff coming up. But it came from uh, seeing an opportunity in oral care because I had jaw surgery a few years ago and I spent a bunch of money because my dentist orthodontist was like, yo, you gotta go buy this for your dry mouth. Yo, you gotta buy this type of toothpaste. So I was trying everything. And I remember looking at the pile of stuff, like $400 worth of stuff. And I'm like, it all looks like, you know, crap to me. Like in terms of like, I spent a lot of money on this stuff. I would never Instagram any of this. Like the it looks ugly. I wanna hide it underneath my sink the ingredients like I couldn't understand anything that was in it and a lot of times like one said whitening extra whitening one said this that this but they all had like pretty much the same ingredients so I'm like something's going on here and um, I said you know I think there's an opportunity here so I started with teeth whitening um, just because I saw there was a gap between in-office treatments that cost you know 400 500 600 dollars and then you know strips that cost 30 40 50 bucks there wasn't anything in the middle that gave like the results of a dental treatment, but the convenience of a strips at a decent price, affordable price. So that's where snow teeth whitening came from. And then once that exploded, um, our customers started asking for toothpaste, mouthwash, floss. So now um, you know, we're rolling out the rest of that line. I love it. And um, we met through, it was through you, Kieran. You connected yeah. with Josh, how long ago? Yeah, so Josh, yeah, Josh came on a, a rally uh, with one of my clients, and mm. that's how we all met. And then, yeah, I talked to you because you, your license plate on your I-8 said Facebook ads. Oh, that's right. And so, and, you yeah. know, I, I love Facebook ads. So we talked about that, and then that's how I found out about Snow, invited him to the first Build Your Empire event, Yep. and then the rest is history. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. So. And now I, I'm curious, too, so, like, you started at what age as an entrepreneur? Like 13, yeah. I mean, 12, 13 years old is when I realized that, um, I mean, initially it was just like I wanted to make money, you know. Mm -hmm. It was like, how can I make money? I can't go get a job. So, like, how am I going to make money? It's like 
and somehow I stumbled into like web development, designing websites, etc. Uh, Facebook ads wasn't really even a thing back then. Um, you know, YouTube, like there weren't even YouTube ads. So like it was for me, it was like building a website was like the first step. And then um, once I learned how to make a website, uh, I realized that I could do that for other people. So then it was like I started doing it as a service, you know, 500 bucks a pop, 500 there, 500 here. Um, and then after a while, I was like, okay, I'm getting really good at making websites. How do I build a team to help me build more websites? And then I just went to Google and was like, how to hire people online. I found like freelancers, you know, Odesk, Elance, freelancer.com. And I was like, okay, this is crazy. Like I could talk to someone on Skype across the world who could make a website for me on my team and I could sell that website for more money. So that just started growing over time. And then eventually um, I had to learn marketing and advertising because I was going from client to client to client, uh, just making 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks a pop. But I was like, where can I make like money every month? Otherwise I'm gonna have to get a job. And so I didn't have my own computer when I started. So like once I figured out marketing and advertising, that's when it all took, like it really just took off. Like it took me three years to like really figure out um, web development. Um, that's like 18 hours a day I was thinking about it, like yeah. straight. Like once I made one penny, all I could think about was like, I just made a penny, like, you know, not having to talk to anybody. I was like, this yeah. is crazy. I remember Google AdSense, added the AdSense on the blogs I was creating. And I would like wake up in the morning and I, I'd like, I, I need to know how much money did I make? How much money did I make? And then the first iPhone came out in 2007 and I sold like my LG like slide phone and like sold a bunch of stuff I had. Um, and then, you know, I come from super humble beginnings. So my dad was like, all right, I'll help you out with like a hundred bucks, 200 bucks. Cause the first iPhone, like you gotta pay full price for it, yeah. you know? And I remember seeing Steve Jobs present it on stage and you know, I was like 12 years old or 13 years old. And I was like, I need that phone. And I was like, one day I want to have a product where people say, I need that. And one day I want to get on a stage and talk to people like that. And I was like, first step is to get that phone. And once I got that phone and now put the internet, that was iPhone one, like it was just called the iPhone. I had the internet full screen in my palm. And I remember everyone saying, oh, like where's your touch, where's your um, keyboard? Like you can't do that, like that's stupid. And it was a niche product, Apple iPhone was yep. niche, no one had it. So I had it and for me, I could now Google everything. So now my teacher would say something, I'd Google it. I think of something, I'd Google it. I could save notes. I had that computer in my hand and that's what set me off to understanding how to build a business in the palm of my hands. First by servicing clients, building stuff for other people. And then eventually it was like marketing and advertising sales is where um, still today is where I've made all my money is in, in that stuff. But understanding design, understanding development helped me get started. And by providing a great service at a low cost is how I got my start. And so you touched on marketing there. So I think it'd be an interesting perspective for the viewers. So you've done an incredible job with influencer marketing, of course, and then you've also done paid marketing. What's your, what's the best ROI in your perspective? What's it done best in your uh, past with Snow? The, the best, okay, I'll give you the, the, the direct answer, which is like Facebook ads aren't as good as they used to be. I mean, that's just the nature of it. It's much more difficult. Um, you have tens of millions of advertisers worldwide now, where when I started in 2012, there were like 2 million advertisers. Like that's it. Yeah. And you could drive a <laughs> click for a penny. Um, you can't do that anymore. And the way I explain it is Facebook ads is CPM based, means cost per thousand views. So if I have a parking spot in front of the most, the hottest restaurant in town, okay, which is Facebook, and I have that parking spot right up front, well, you've got a bid for that parking spot against a Bugatti, 
So somebody's got a Bugatti. He's like, I'll pay two thousand for that parking spot. Then you got to bid against a guy in Dubai who sells oil, and he's like, Well, I want to park my helicopter. There. I'll pay fifty thousand for that. You're paying for the same spot in front of that hot restaurant, which is the eyeball. So the eyeball is now being sold to the highest bidder. Well, when you have twenty million people bidding for the same eyeball, who's going to win? I can't outbid a jewelry brand that makes two thousand dollars profit on a sale of a product. It's hard for me to outbid that person. So. It is becoming more difficult. It's still one of the best places to launch a business, Instagram ads, Facebook ads. I think right now, um, our highest ROI marketing, aside from to our customers, like email marketing, SMS marketing, anything to your own customers is always gonna be the best. But um, we have, uh, we're starting to build an army of affiliates and ambassadors who are selling our products for us. So our top earning affiliates, uh, I mean, it's a big month this month, but we'll probably make two, 300,000. Um, I see the wires going out every week, and he's got a wire coming to him for forty-one thousand Monday for weeks of worth worth of work. So he's making you know two three million dollars a year promoting our products for us. Um, that's big, and then eventually it'll be like dental offices, retailers. So when we sell to Costco or we sell to Target, Costco can only take a fourteen percent margin. It's based on their their charter. They have to save people the most money. They make their money on memberships, not on signed products. So they sell, I think, 53 billion a year or something like that of products, and they make two billion of profit, and like half of that comes from membership fees or more. So that means that they're looking for a good price. But I know my margin when I'm selling to Costco. I know I'm going to make five dollars a product or two dollars a product. The nice thing about Costco is they buy a lot of product and they sell a lot of product. So I'm thinking through. I'm thinking the millions of tubes of toothpaste when I'm working with Costco, Walmart, Target versus one by one to my customers. So on a per unit basis, it's called the unit economics, each unit I'm making a little bit of money, but multiplied by a million tubes a week, then I'm making a lot of money. And that's how the, the big brands at Costco make so much money because they're selling millions and millions of cans of soda, of cans of this. So that eventually becomes the most pro- profitable by number, most profitable per unit are you know our customers, SMS, email, and then our affiliates and partners um, that drive a lot of volume with hundreds of them, we make money. We try to give as much of the profit to our affiliate and our partners because then they're building our brand for us. So we try to give almost all of our profit up. Now the real answer that I'll give you for the way I look at it, the biggest profit um, is uh, just continue to grow the brand. So whether it's celebrity endorsements, whether it's you know breaking even on Pinterest just so that we're everywhere, TV ads, which we just rolled out nationwide, um, I'm going on Home Shopping Network every month. You know, I'm on my third uh, segment now. Um, anytime I can get in front of a lot of people and talk about the brand, that's the most that's the most profitable because long term it builds the value of the brand. So for me, I'm not looking to buy a Lambo, right? Like I'm not looking to you know spend money on a watch or something. I'm looking to you know, ten years from now, fifty years from now, you know, buy the watch company, right? It's like I want to buy Rolex, the company. I don't want to buy a Rolex right now, right? Like I haven't bought a new watch in two and a half years, um, and you know I pay myself sixty thousand a year from the company, only because I have to do tax purposes. I, I pay zero dollars out of snow, zero. Sixty thousand a year comes. I'm one of the lowest paid salary employees here, and it comes out every two weeks, and I make about forty thousand a year, um, you know, after taxes. So everything that I have, all of my cars, I pay all of my stuff cash. I own everything outright. But that's because I built my foundation. It's a 12-year overnight success story. I built and sold multiple businesses to now get to this point 
to pour millions of dollars of my own money into snow so that maybe if I'm lucky 10 years from now, I can go buy a couple helicopters. So do you think you could quickly touch on what those first few businesses are? Because I think like the average viewer of, and, and listener for Casey's podcast and for Jeffrey's YouTube channel, they're like, they're younger. They're like, oh, it must be nice to be able to just pay yourself 60000 and and reinvest all that money you made in the beginning. So, you know, what did you do in the beginning? What were those first few companies that you sold? Can you kind of touch on like what those what The thing first? is, see, this is the thing. And I don't know if there's a way, um, like one day when I have kids, like I'm going to try to teach them this, but I don't think like people, I didn't listen from 12 to 20. I didn't listen to anybody. So like, uh, it's, it's hard to like teach wisdom. Like you have to kind of go through it. But, um, you know, when I was getting started, I wanted the Lambo, right? It's like, that's all I wanted. Like in my mind, it's like, I want the Gucci shoes. Like I want the Rolex watch. Like in my mind, those were signs of wealth and I come from nothing. So I wanted to like show people around my, me and my community, et cetera, that I'm making it, that I'm, you know, it's funny because when you're on the come up, you want everybody to know you're coming up. Once you made it, you want nobody to know you really made it unless you're like have a huge ego or something like that. Now I've got the Ferrari, I've got the McLaren, I've got the nice cars, but I don't think about them the same way. Like it's just different. You know, I think I just turned 27, you know, 17 year old me, um, you know, when I bought my first uh, Lamborghini, I was like 20 years old, uh, Ferrari, about a red Ferrari, yellow Lamborghini, Gallardo, a convertible, like the most pompous car I could get. You know, that's what I got. The louder I could make it, the better. The more bling on the watch, the better. The, I want the Gucci that has all the Gucci all over it so everyone knows it's Gucci. Now I'm like $10 H&M shirt. I'm like, I like this brand. You know, I'm like, this is fucking sick, you know? Um, so, but I think that you have to go through that process. You know, it's like, I can't sit here and be like, don't think about the Lambo, don't do that. Like, I did that, you know? I yeah. spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on cars, you know, by 21 years old. I made first million dollars 17. So like, give a 17 year old a million dollars, see what he does with it. He's gonna go buy a Lambo, you know? Like, <laughs> he's gonna go buy the Gucci, Jeff. you know? He's gonna, it's, that's just what happens. You, but I feel like you have to go through that process and you enjoy it. You know, it's like I used to always say, oh, money doesn't buy happiness. Well, give me the money. I'll be happy. I'll show you. And eventually you realize like money buys convenience. Like for me, when I fly first class or I fly private, it's because I travel so much and I'm closing a deal and it just it makes sense. Right. And it's maybe it's a tax write off. Like, how can I do that? But for me, like buying a watch doesn't give me the same pleasure that it used to be because now I buy watches for me, not for other people. And I think that when you, so to answer your question, starting out, you wanna do stuff for other people. I think that's one of the best ways to build your business. That's what I did. I was like, $500 to make you a website in two days. I'll tell you what, you know, you charged one-tenth the cost of everybody and you deliver, that's what's key. I think the problem right now with Instagram and social media is that people can seem, they have the pressure to seem successful. They can seem successful. Um, and then they have this like duty now to pretend they're successful. And there's like perpetuates um, this kind of feeling. And then you kind of go home at night and you're like, I'm an imposter. And then if someone sees me out, it happens on all sides. I work with a lot of influencers and there are some you know guys and girls that can't leave the house unless they look exactly like their last Instagram post. Because if someone sees them in public and they're not like that, oh my gosh, right? It's like, I gotta make sure my hair is done, nail done, all this stuff. So I think that you gotta start by being um, uh, a servant essentially how can i help you sir like you got to move up the rank somehow and for me it was like hello sir i'll make you a website for 500 sir when would you like it done okay sir can you give me 200 to get started thank you sir 
like initially it's like AdSense, 20 cents a click. Okay, thank you. Like you have to start humbly and keep your ego in check along the way because what happens is then you start saying like, oh no, I'm not taking on a client unless they're paying me 20,000 a month. Screw that, I hate those clients. Meanwhile, they're the ones paying your bills, right? So like you have to start looking at, just like I look at every customer, every time someone gives us 150 bucks, that's 150 bucks they could have done something else with. Those are my investors. I now owe it to them to deliver the product, make sure it works, serve them, and hopefully I earn their business to come back. So like initially do something for someone else, whether that's whatever, like when I was a kid mowing lawns, whatever, you have to do something as a service. That's the best way to build a business for you not to get a traditional job, but it's not easy. You're unknown, you know nobody, you got a cold call, you got to go to the little meetups, you got to say, say what you do, make your business cards, and you got to humble yourself. I make websites for 500 bucks and I hope they're worth 2,000 to you, sir. Would you refer business to me? I had a book of business. By the time I switched over to marketing advertising, I had hundreds of people I made $500 websites for. And they're like, God, that website was amazing. I got it for 500 bucks. I took advantage of that little kid. That's what they thought, right? Yeah. And they're like, okay, I feel like I owe him now. He did do a great job on the website. He's doing marketing advertising now and he's doing it cheaper than everyone else. All right, I'll give him a shot. So you just kind of, you work your way up. Then by the time I was you know, 18, 19 years old, websites were costing $500,000. But it's like, it wasn't, initially I was like, I wanna charge 500,000 because if I sell two of those, I get two Lambos. Like it's like, you know, that's, that's called the come up math, right? It's like, and that's normal, you gotta do that. The come up math is if I sell this many snow kits, I can, and, and then I remember, like, like I talk about some dramas podcast, like I remember looking up, you know, how much it costs to lease a Lambo, and I'm like, okay, $2,800 a month, okay, if I get two clients that pay me 1400 after this, and I'm like, all right, I can lease it, but I need a down payment, so I think if I sell this, you start doing that come yeah, up yeah. math, right? And you're like, all right, that new Gucci shoes are $800, or right, if I close this deal, I'll do that. The problem is, there are a lot of people going around that, are selling services, selling things, and not delivering. And you have to remember to build a business, to build a brand, always deliver if you can't over-deliver. But you always have to deliver, and then you become that guy. Like, Josh is like, Josh is gonna tell you what it is, he's gonna say it how it is, he might be a little rough, he might be a little awkward or whatever, he might make you feel awkward, but he's gonna tell you how it is, if he can do it, he's gonna do it, he's gonna do it. If you do that over and over and over again, even if that's saying, y'all pick up the groceries for you, all right, cool, go pick up the groceries. Yo, I'll be there at 345, or I'll be there at 345. Uh, no, I can't make it, then don't make it. Yes, I can make it, then make it, right? So like, it's very important for you to do, to, to stick to what you're, you know, building a brand, but I think the easiest way for anybody to get started is selling a service to somebody else. When do you think the right time is for someone that's in the service business that wants to therefore eventually manufacture their product, create a brand so that they can think in terms of that 50 year window like you talk about. Cause you're, you're young, right? You're 27 and when we were talking earlier, you're, you're thinking in terms of 50, 60 years with snow, right? right. You've changed your mindset from, like you said, the come up math to something way bigger picture. What do you recommend for someone that may be in the service business now that is looking to eventually make that step into a, a core product? Well, I think that, you know, it took me, it took me maybe six or seven years, you know. I started really young, you know, but it took me six or seven years to um, get to that point because I, it was always like when I make X amount of money, then I'll do it. Or like once I'm at this certain level, then I'll do it. But it keeps also drawing you in. Like it's a slippery slope because then you're like, that's why I'm saying it's hard because you start making a certain amount of money, then you start buying Gucci and Louis 
Then you go and buy a Lambo and Ferrari. So then your lifestyle expenses get higher and higher. So you have to keep doing what you're doing to keep that up. So it's, it's tough. The easiest, when you're young, you have a huge advantage. You don't have kids. You don't have a wife. You don't have a house to take care of. Like you don't have expenses of a normal average adult. Mm-hmm. So that's the time that instead of buying Gucci and Louis, you should be buying product samples and you should be like figuring that stuff out. If that's what you want, you should be thinking about it a few years. I started, if you go and look when trysnow.com was, was registered, it's probably 2014, right? So like I didn't act on it until I had jaw surgery and it became more of a realization. Mm. But I've been I've been prepping for this since I was 24 in 2014. That was you know five six years ago, you know that was before even High Smile got their domain name. I mean this was a long time ago. So you got to start scheming now, and you've got to start planning your exit from a service business to a product business two three years ahead. What happens is that you get a bad client, you get pissed off, you're sick and tired of it. And you're like, I, I, this is it. I'm only taking 20,000 a month clients. You start to like level up and say, that's it. I'm only taking the good clients. And you start being picky. And then you start, then you start building this resentment, almost like senioritis. And now when the client's calling, you're like, oh, now when you got you get a new client, you're like, oh, you start hating it. That's mm-hmm. senioritis. You get senioritis in your own business. You want to get out of it. The problem is you start to resent your business. And then you get what's called burnout. And then you're just sick and tired of it. Then you can't do anything. So you have to think two years out, be patient. The younger you are, the longer you have until you die. So like, chill out, okay? You got 50 years, Lambos aren't going anywhere, Ferraris aren't going anywhere. They're only gonna get bigger, badder, and better and faster. It's okay. Yeah. You know, no one's going anywhere. No one's yeah. going anywhere. That's what I wanna tell young people is like, chill out. And you may not be able to listen to me because maybe when I was 17, I wouldn't be able to listen to myself. But it's like, chill out dude like the internet's not going anywhere you know there's instagram well there was myspace and then facebook and now instagram and snapchat and tiktok yeah chill if you don't become viral on tiktok tomorrow that's okay that's okay you know for me i i was on the come up right after the recession so for me you know um, i had to really focus on the services i couldn't jump into creating a product that was scary like what product am i going to create and i've got all these good ideas and when you're a marketer you're like i got a thousand ideas so I would like keep them in a book, keep them in a book. And I remember registering trysnow.com because I was like, I love that name. Like, I, I think that makes sense for oral care. I was like, maybe I'll one day come out with an oral care brand. I don't know. Just sat on it. And certain times when you feel like you're starting to lose interest in what you're doing, sometimes you have to think about why you're doing it. Sometimes, you know, the truth is people, a lot of people don't like your job, but you got bills to pay, mm-hmm. right? And so sometimes we take on clients where I'm like, oh, this is going to be a rough one. But I got a bill to pay. I've got employees to pay, yep. right? Like I got a, I got rent to pay. So I'm like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna smile and I'm gonna over deliver again, you know. So like I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab the situation and make it my own and take advantage of it in a good way. And I'm gonna over deliver. But I think you start to plan two years ahead and say, okay, do I have a really good idea? Do I have something that I can start on now? Can I get some samples in? Can I get some the logo made? Can I get the website made? Can I start posting about it, getting feedback? You can start two years ahead of time. And don't worry like, oh my God, if I tell someone the idea, they're gonna steal it. The more people I tell my idea, the more powerful I become. Mm -hmm. And the more that I speak on stages and the more followers I get, the more everyone else becomes a me too. Because I am the loudest speaker in the room, right? It's like, you know, um, if you speak loudly enough, people will think everything came from you. Like people send me stuff sometimes where they're like, 
yo, this brand's ripping you off. I'm like, no, 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 that one's not. <laughs> I'm like, that one's been out for 20 years. They're yeah. totally different. Um, but because I speak louder than everybody, yep. then it gets to lead that trend. So start thinking about your services business. Start thinking about building a team so you're not doing all the work. Start with Filipinos online, freelancing, whatever. Move toward freeing up time so that you're not on client calls all day and that you're not designing the website all day and buying media, Facebook ads all day. Start pulling yourself out of the day-to-day so that you can simply think. And that clarity will help open the door to what is like your next step. That makes sense. You guys got anything? Or can I shoot another? Um, one, uh, so some of those, for the people who aren't aware, on the video, we've obviously worked with some amazing partners, celebrities. Um, <laughs> I was going to say that. I, I, yeah. I, can you rattle off a few? I know we know of them, but to those who don't. They see yeah, the Gronkowski jersey on the wall. They go oh, with yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, it was yesterday. We were filming the Kelly Clarkson show with, uh, with Rob, and um, he had on his snow jacket, so you'll see that uh, pretty soon. Um, yeah, we've been fortunate since day one to to attract celebrity customers, which I think is unique. Um, you know, our brand is, I think from day one, uh, you know, we invented everything we, we sell, we invented, right? The, the, anything that powers into a phone, we invented that. Like all of our products, our formulas, everything is made with extreme thought, our packaging, every piece of that is deliberate and we're optimizing it every month. While everyone else is optimizing their ads, I'm optimizing my packaging, I'm optimizing my mm. technology. So everybody's focused on treating their customer as a number. What was my ROAS today? Return on ad spend. What was my cost today? That's important, that's cool. But when you're building a brand, what's my return on customer experience? What's my return rate of products? How fast did I get the product to the customer? Am I drop shipping? Why am I drop shipping past three months? If you got a product that's taken off, you better be shipping it from your room. Snow started, from granted it's a huge house but it started from my spare room in my massive house and i wrote the first ads i made the first website and i shipped every product i learned how to use shipping easy to print labels and i'm a multi-millionaire at this point right multi-millionaire sitting there learning how to print labels learning about shopify learning how to code shopify so you got to humble yourself even when you're at a different level. And so for me, when I started Snow, I could have went on and hired a bunch of team, like team members. I could have went and hired the best of the best. For me, it was like, no, 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 I'm gonna spend six months reading everything I can about teeth whitening, oral care, learn about the market. I printed every label out every morning. I saw every name on there. I saw where it was going. And I would see trends in your business. When you're that intimate with your business, I didn't see just a return on ad spend. I saw Becky Lewis from Virginia who ordered three kits. And guess what I did? I picked up the phone and I said, hi, Becky, how's it going? This is Josh from Snow. I wanna thank you for your order. I was curious, um, you know, what made you order? What made you choose us? Uh, oh, this is not. And then I'd give her a $25 gift card to the store so she can come back. I'd make a gift card in Shopify, send it right to her. <laughs> I started talking one by one by one to every single one, Becky, Karen, John, and Joe. I'm on the phone with them. And I'm asking, what made you choose us over someone else? Have you ever whitened your teeth before? What were the issues with that? And all of a sudden, my ads got better and better and better because I was selling to the Beckys who's already bought. So now it's like this product was, you know, this product is made for blank. You know, our product, our formula, the reason why our, our, our formula, formula started pretty basic. Now, like, it's so complex because of talking to every customer. They're like, oh, even down to the viscosity, which is how thick the liquid is. Like they're like, oh, it runs down my, my lips uh, and I don't like that. 
Um, I slobber too much. We made that, that mouthpiece has been redesigned a hundred times to fit every mouth as universal as we can. Um, I literally went in and, and got molds of when they do all the types of molds, the companies that uh, do molds for like braces and stuff to understand what the universal mouth looks like in America versus our customers in Mexico. We ship to 180 countries. Mouths are different everywhere. Mm -hmm. So depending on their diet, depending on their hereditary genetics. So I went to, to that level where you have to obsess over the customer first, obsess over the product second, and then really the key is to obsess over your team once you build a team. So, um, you know, I think that because of that, we started getting some early celebrity customers. And we downloaded, um, uh, put an app on there called User Gems on Shopify. Uh, it might still be around. It was free when I was using it. It sorts your customers by how many followers they have in oh, Shopify. So then it was like, all of a sudden, I would pull up that list and I would put an email notification on there and they would it would email me every time someone over a thousand followers, 10,000 followers, 20,000 followers. Then I was like, this is really cool. Then I went on Odesk, which is now Upwork.com. Um, I went on Upwork and uh, and uh, put a job out to find a programmer to uh, reverse search like to Zillow the house value of the shipping address. So now I got a report in Google Docs every day of how much your house was worth. <laughs> so when you know you see something like a twenty million dollar house in Beverly Hills or a fifteen million dollar house or a five million dollar house and you realize that they use a fake name to order, you can start to peel it back and see who's ordering, right? You know, you realize SV is like Sofia Vergara. Um, and you see a $16 million Zestimate, you're like, okay, that's clearly Sofia Vergara, yeah. right? And so, and you'll see that they order full price. They don't use a coupon code. They use express shipping. They pay for everything. Um, and they're buying it for themselves. So this next step to that was to say, who manages this talent? Who can I reach out to to say, hey, so-and-so I noticed ordered from our store. Is there anything we could do together? I want to see if she likes the product. So initially, it doesn't, it's not a shortcut, but if you make your product something that stands out, people will buy it. Like celebrities will buy it. They don't want to use strips because they seem cheap. They don't want to go to the dentist because they're always traveling. They're on tour. So when they see something that matches their aesthetic, they're going to buy it. So that's from like, that's a long answer. Um, the short answer is uh, thinking through who or what type of customers do you want to attract and which celebrities do they watch and follow and for us from day one i thought about i looked at the stats and very few men were buying teeth whitening and i was like hmm i was like why don't men buy teeth whitening i whine my teeth like why don't people like guys whine their teeth like, oh maybe it's girly like maybe they see it as girly maybe they don't recognize how important it is so then i pulled the stats match.com did a study the number one thing that females look at 71 percent number one uh, the number one thing that they look at is a uh, smile. First impression is a smile. They don't know how much money you have. They're not looking at your car. If you walked into a restaurant, you know, your penis isn't out. So they're like, you know, they don't care. Like they're looking at your smile and how relatable and how like, do, do, are you coming off as a confident person? Yep. Are you nice? They're reading that, you know, microseconds, right? So I'm like, okay, well, why don't I put that in front of the guys? Guys are spending all this money on protein powder and fat burners and all this crap why not spend it on your smile that's something that's going to get you more sales deals you're going to close more sales etc so then i said who are the manliest men i could you know work with opportunity came up to meet rob gronkowski who's now my business partner i flew out to la last minute you got to be open to opportunity but you got to also strike on the opportunity right you got to bounce around um 
you know, Casey, you're everywhere. You know that. <laughs> like when there's a, an event coming up, there's something coming up. If I can make it, I'm going to make it. Because yep. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just going to be there just in case. Because luck is opportunity and preparedness. I'm prepared for it because I'm there. And the opportunity is like a stream of river running through. I've got to be at every stream because I'm ready. So, um, you know, then Rob Gronkowski became a partner. I introduced myself, talked about what I was building. And uh, he's like, honestly, I've never whitened my teeth. I was like, really? You never whitened your teeth? He's like, nah, never whitened. I never thought about it. I was like, that sounds like a lot of men. And he's like, uh, does it cost sensitivity? I have super sensitive teeth. I was like, actually, that's what I made it for, like for sensitive teeth. He's like, all right, how long do you want me to use it? And I was like, 21 days, give it a shot. So, all right, I'm gonna use it for 21 days. If it does, if it works and doesn't hurt my teeth, you'll get a call from me. I was like, deal. Here you go. Here's two. He took it and got a call at the end of the month. And it was like, how do we work on this? And to date, he's been, you know, a phenomenal partner. He's always posting about us. I was just with him at Kelly Clarkson. Chuck Liddell, I met the same day, who also became a business partner of mine. And so right away, we had a fighter and an NFL champion, a UFC champion, NFL champion, manly men. Mm-hmm. One can, actually both can beat you up, but one's <laughs> going to destroy you at six foot seven and the other's going to knock your teeth out. So what do they have in common? They both use a mouthpiece, one to fight, one to play ball. This mouthpiece happens to whiten your teeth. So then I drew the connection. I said, there we go. We can tap into men where none of our competitors are tapping into using that. And then eventually the Floyd Mayweather deal came about and uh, they had ordered the product. They liked the product. They saw we're an American company. And uh, one thing led to the next, but you got to, you got to strike on the opportunity, but see if you're so focused on ROAS and all these other metrics, you forget what's happening in front of you, which are customers ordering. And you see, you see Jennifer Lopez order, pick up the phone, call her yeah. manager, send an email, send her something special, take advantage of what's happening in front of you instead of just letting it happen. That makes sense. So they're all customers. They're, that's the important thing for you. Well, I mean, we reach out, we reach out, you know, right? We, we reach well, out to, the product. Yeah, they, they have to love the product. Yeah. I will not work with any celebrity, period, mm-hmm. unless they love the product. The nice thing about that is they end up, um, they end up giving us a great deal, right? They end up saying like, hey, you know what? Like, don't pay me right now. Pay me later. Like, I actually love this stuff. Can you send more for our whole team? And then all of a sudden they want to work with you instead of just promoting, just holding a picture and be like, oh, I love this. All right, give me my money. They're like, they actually <laughs> like the product. It comes across way more genuine with you. Oh, 100%. Like, I've seen his stuff. He's happy when he's talking about it. Exactly. He loves it in his Instagram stories. So. Where do you think brands are going wrong when working with big influencers? Uh, yeah, a lot is happening there. Um, I think the, the first thing is that they're not giving the, um, they're not giving the opportunity for the celebrity to really take part in the experience. So they're simply just, you know, sending a product, giving a script and saying, post it. What we try to do is we try to understand how does this actually fit into the celebrity's lifestyle? Are they using it? really in the in the restroom or are they using the kitchen or are they using it on their plane or are they using it in an uber like where would they actually be using this so we try to understand how does this actually fit in and then we don't like people to our celebrity just to hold the photo and make love it you know yeah. because everyone knows that was paid it doesn't yeah. come off as genuine and what i think of is i try to put myself in the mindset um i started reading books on managing talent as if i wanted to become an all-star manager mm. And I started reading about how do you protect a celebrity's brand equity? How do you choose which deals to say yes or no to? So now when I pick up the phone and it's a, it's a manager on the other side, I'm talking about things that he's like, 
are you a manager? Like, wait a second, what book is like, that? what's going on? I read every book on Amazon. Okay. Like literally type in like um, sports management, okay. um, becoming a celebrity manager, uh, how to become a celebrity agent. And I was like, I gotta learn their business because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not from Hollywood, I don't know it. I gotta learn how do you build royalties into the deal? How do you do cash payments? What's a performance incentive? You know, how do we make the celebrity look good? So all of a sudden, instead of just put this in your mouth or like hold it like this, now we're thinking through like, you know what? We're gonna wait before we post. We're gonna do a pink version or a red version because we know you love red. Let's wait on it. So you start to think through that and then the agent's like, yo, I appreciate that. Like I appreciate you not just dangling money in front of us Mm -hmm. and saying post something. You're thinking through it. Now we come out with lines specifically for our celebrities. So it's like if it's a toothpaste flavor line, it's like, okay, here's the pink lemonade line. That's your line. You're gonna get paid forever on it. Um, so I think brands think too short term. Mm. The number one problem is they try to make money off the post. That's the number one problem. Um, and I've been saying this for a long time, but it, now it's like really apparent. They try to make ROI the day one that the post goes out. So they're like, oh man, I pay Kylie Jenner 500 Gs, but I'm gonna make 550 or maybe I'll make a million. No, you look at Fashion Nova and Cardi B. They have been working together for four or five years now. That is so ingrained as part of her personality, Fashion Nova, in her songs and everything, that when they launched the Cardi B line, they did $10 million, like right when they launched. That wasn't on accident. That was four or five years of grooming her audience that it's a true partnership. So you just don't stumble into that. If, you, if Cardi B just posts your pants, yeah. you're not gonna get 10 million in sales. You yeah. might get 100,000 in sales and pay her a million, but you also have to think of the longevity of that brand halo. So it's like, um, if you know Michael Jordan posts with my brand, people are gonna remember that for a long time. People mm-hmm. will still come up to me and they're like, bro, I have Floyd Mayweather post for you guys. Or, <laughs> you know, and then the buyers from Costco and Target and all these places are like, oh yeah, we saw the Kardashians post about it. Or you know, like you know, Kim Kardashian has posted with snow in it, Kylie Jenner, Chris uh, uh, Jenner. So they'll, they remember that. Yeah. And so for me, guess what? There was no coupon code. We never use coupon codes. Right, Gronk has a coupon code when he promotes it, but like we don't use coupon codes, we don't use tracking links, we don't do link in bios, we don't do anything. Really? So the average uh, company, that's scary, right? Because you're like, how am I supposed to track it? How am I supposed to know what's working? Well, you should know what's working based on your brand. Like, if you know that Kim Kardashian is not a match for your brand, and the fact that for five years people are going to remember she posted for you, if that's not worth something to you, not good. And then we also work with a lot of like um, topic-based influencers. So if we can be in a lot of places, our cost per acquisition goes down on Facebook. Our cost per acquisition goes down on Pinterest. Like we run Pinterest ads, not because they generate po- uh, positive ROI, they don't make profit for us, but they drive down the cost of everything else. So the more we do of everything else, the lower everything else costs me, the more that we can do of it. So you have to think of it that way. And I think brands look like, I got Kylie to post, I'm rich. Yeah. You know, it's like, no. Are you gonna get you get her to post ten times? Come out with a line with her. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, take the five hundred thousand or whatever Kylie's gonna charge you, and go to TikTok influencers, go to YouTube influencers, get yeah. way more views in an authentic way over time. And instead of going for one big Kylie Jenner post, the way I always say is think of a, a pond. There are fish in there. Okay, if you throw a big boulder in there, you make a huge splash, but you kill all the fish and all the waters out of the pond. And now you have to go to another pond. What I try to do is I try to drop in a few big boulders here and there, but um, uh, I try to drop in pebbles across the pond. So those circles that make, they start to touch each other. 
And so now you see your girlfriend using snow, your mom using snow, and then you see Gronk using snow. Then you're like, all right, I got to buy it at this point. Yeah. It's not just Kylie Jenner using yeah. snow. It's a lot of people using snow. Makes sense. So, yeah, I, I think um, my my next question for you is, where is it going from here? Like, not just product-wise, but in terms of the brand, in terms of um, what mediums you're using, like, what what is the what is the world domination strategy from starting, like, I'm more moving into 2020. So, you know, what where is your head at right now? I mean, our focus has always been, they call us the Apple of Care. Um, you know, I think that, the focus is to continue to create products that our customers are asking for. We've got 500,000 plus customers. They tell us what they want. You know, they're, they're very vocal. When we ask them, we say, hey, what do you think of this flavor of toothpaste? Like, nah. Like, okay, thank you. You know, it saves us a lot of time. But I think creating more products is key. Um, we have a lot of international customers. Um, turns out 7 billion people have teeth. So uh, it's a big market, right? So for us, um, continuing to keep our lead it's a, it's pretty cool to win the hundred meter dash once, but it's much better to win it over and over and over and over and over again and beat a world record. Like that's more impressive than you know a fluke that you win once. So for me, it's 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 racing the marathon and winning the ultimate race. Um, so thinking of international markets, we do a lot in Southeast Asia, Latin America, um, opening up our retail partners um, who have all come to us wanting to carry snow. Uh, that presents a huge opportunity for us. Continue to protect our brand, patents, trademarks, our technology, continuing to invent technology that is unique to us. Um, and then, uh, you know, I would say in terms of channels, TV, radio, podcast, you know, YouTube, we're really now an omni-channel brand. We no longer just look at Facebook. We're looking at how does a TV ad help the podcast ad lead to someone buying it at Target? So now it becomes very complex. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult to track that. When you're just running Facebook ads, you know, turn on ad spend, got it. Right now, that's why no one can, you know, people that try to knock us off or try to enter our space, they'll be like, they'll do it for like a few weeks and sell 30 orders and lose money doing it. And they're like, how the hell is Josh doing this? Like, they don't get it. Well, because I can lose money on Facebook, millions, because I make it up in Omnichannel. I'm so many places, I make it up everywhere else, right? So. Um, ultimately, I make it up if I'm raising money. Now my valuation's 150 million instead of 100 million. If you can't play that game, it's very hard. So I think that uh, for us going omni-channel TV, the more present we are, pop-up shops, experiential. Mm-hmm. We're doing a lot more brand collaborations. Um, so we have a um, brand collab coming out next month with Alaya Skin. They got the top selling like pink clay mask in the world. Uh, two friends of mine based in Australia. So we've got a, like an Arctic mud mask coming out that's anti-aging. Um, so doing a lot more brand collabs, celebrity collabs. Um, we've got some big celebs coming on next year with full lines. So these, you know, these are an average of 100 million followers per person. So on Instagram. So you can imagine there are like 20 people with more than 100 million. Uh, we've got a few of them coming out with branded lines together. Wow. So, um, and those are going into retailers, you know, like Ulta, Sephora, et cetera. Um, so I would say that's becoming something for us, but continuing to treat our customers with respect, continue to develop products that are unique that they would like, um, and continuing to build our brand internationally. Um, and then team, you know, we're going to expand from this office. You know, when we got into this office, we had three employees, you know, we'll double size, if not triple size next year and team size. So finding great people 
is very, very key for me. Um, and uh, just continue doing more of what we do, protecting our brand, growing our brand, and protecting our customers by creating products that they really want and uh, doing things that are unique, making sure that our partners are making money. Uh, it's very, very key for us. And um, we'll see what else happens. I mean, I, I, I knew that this was going to be big when, when we kind of figured something out that was unique. I didn't know that it was going to go as fast as it did. Um, so you have to plan for the best and the worst. Yeah. You know, you got to think of what happens if my business 10x is tomorrow? What, what, what will break first? What happens if it negative 10x is tomorrow? What will happen? So I'm always trying to plan what's that next step based on best and worst. That's why building a brand is probably the hardest thing you can do in life because you're now, see when you're an agency, you're like, I'm just worried about Facebook ads for my client. That was me, right? Like Google ads for a client, SEO, like whatever it was, a website design, we know what we're doing, okay. Here, I'm worried about my website. I'm worried about our target.com listing. I'm worried about our celebrity partnership. I'm worried about our TV show. I'm worried about our TV ads. I'm worried about the product, the product quality, the inventory, supply chain, customer service, fulfillment, on and on and on, right? FTC, FDA, I'm worried about all the regulatory agencies, international. I'm worried about a million things. So running a brand is, um, is I would say building brands over the last six or seven years uh, from moving from service to building brands has maybe had to uh, build a huge respect for people that have 100 million billion dollar brands. Shit is hard, right? It's, <laughs> it, it's very difficult. Yeah. There's no way to sugarcoat it. It's uh, probably the hardest thing you could ever do in entrepreneur. This is the Olympics of entrepreneurship. Um, because you have to come up with the product, market the product, sell the product, PR, I mean, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and you realize, I'll tell you what though, if you have shiny object syndrome, start a brand and focus on it for three years. You will never have shiny object syndrome again in your life. I promise you. Because you will realize, like Snow, we've got a great team. We spend millions a month on advertising. We do a lot. And it's like, we're pathetic still. Like when you look at what we should be doing, like, Pinterest, it's like, oh, I got to be on Pinterest. We're not doing enough on TikTok. We're not doing enough on Google. We're not doing enough in retail. What about our dental partners, med spas, international, oh, China. The, you, you realize, because I remember before, I was like, I like this. Like, I got really good at building zero to $10 million brand, like smaller brands. But then if you go all in on a brand, you realize you have no time because you're like, customer support. We need more customer support. What if we had live chat? There's, it hasn't not stopped. Like every day is a hundred yeah. new things to be doing. And that's just with one brand. So, uh, and I'm fortunate, but also insane enough to run multiple brands. Um, I never started more than one at once. I started within six months of each other, but I also didn't know they were going to take off so quickly. So now I've got, you know, a lot of stuff going on all at once. So I'm working three different six hour shifts. So you do the math, my brain's always going and I find the time to travel on planes constantly. But if you want it bad enough, you'll do it. Um, and this is this is my big bang, right? This is uh, this is my opportunity to earn the right to eventually invest in a lot of other entrepreneurs, to earn the right to write a book where I can speak from experience, to be able to mentor other people. I want to earn the right to do that because I wouldn't listen to someone who has not gone through the path themselves. So I want to be someone that I would listen to. In order to do that, oh, you got to do what you got to do. It doesn't mean you have to build a brand. You can join a brand. You can partner with a brand. You can not even a brand at all. It can be a B2B services company. You can make a billion dollars, a million dollars, billion ways. Um, you know, I happen to choose the most difficult way because I chase difficulty. That's the only mm-hmm. way I grow. And if I don't, if I wasn't doing this, I'd be depressed. I'd have 10 Lambos and I'd be crying every night. 
So, and they always say it's better to cry inside of a Lamborghini. It's better not to cry at all. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, this gives me purpose. And I now realize I'm doing it for more than just myself. I'm doing it for my team. I'm doing it for our community of 500,000 people. I'm doing it to prove a point in the marketplace. I'm doing it as a trailblazer to show other young entrepreneurs, self-made people, how big they can make something. I'm doing this for other people. Just like graduating college was for my family. I never used my degree, mm -hmm. but I did it because I wanted to say thank you to my parents, my dad who left Spain to come here. I wanted to do it so that I could tell my kids I did everything and I got my degree. Do I use it? No, you know, but I also was in and out in two years. So like, yeah. it was a unique circumstance, but you, today's world, to be a millionaire, you don't need a degree. But uh, for me, I've always been about doing everything I can and then some, because I don't want to you know, sit in my deathbed and say, I wish I would have done that. And in life you have regret um, or discipline. So the short term, you don't feel regret. It's easier to forego discipline, not go to the gym, eat another Twinkie, um, do drugs, party more. It's easier to do that, but then you end up with regret which is probably the worst feeling on earth. When you feel regret, when someone tells you I'm disappointed in you, Jeff, like someone you care about or a mentor, or your dad or anyone, like I'm disappointed in you. That regret that you didn't do the right thing or you missed out on something, that sucks. Mm -hmm. So if you're willing to extend, delay your gratification, it's hard to do when you're young. If you can delay that a few more years, you, you have to use discipline in between. And then you have less regrets. You're still gonna have regrets, but you have less regrets. And you end up, I always said like, I'm gonna give up this party because I wanna to go to a yacht party one day. Like, I'm gonna give up you know, doing this because I wanna do this in the future. If you're willing to do this instead of that long enough, you will get there and you just can't give up. I mean, um, I always say first they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. I think it was like a Gandhi quote or something. But um, the trick is persistence. Persistence builds respect, it builds a brand, and consistency, show up, do the work, do it over and over and over again. Success um, is naturally attracted to those who don't give up. It's just, you know, not to say if you're doing something stupid and you do it for 50 years, like you're so stupid. <laughs> but, you know, if you feel like you're on to something, mm -hmm. um, when I started the business, it was snow teeth whitening. It's like, oh, you got a teeth whitening kit. That's cool. Like, all right, let's see how big this could be. Um, you know, they thought it was a drop shipping store. We've never drop shipped and everything. But I get that. Entrepreneurs have to be willing to be under misunderstood for a long period of time. Another quote I found somewhere, but like that's true. You got to be misunderstood for a long time. No one believes in what you're working on because you're the only one living in your brain and living in the future. And the future is always better than the present if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a good one. So you have to learn to be happy with your progress in the present. Otherwise, you end up depressed. You feel burnt out. So for me, I wake up and I'm just like, let's hit it. Like whatever it is, if it's like, oh, we got to sue somebody, let's go. Yeah. Like everything I go into is like, I love it. That means I'm leveling up. How do you manage your time on a daily basis? I know like, we're taking the time to do this podcast. You obviously have carved up this time and have your team working on things, but has it always been like it is now when it comes to time management? Um, I learned time management when I was like 15 or 16. Um, I, used, I downloaded or started using Google Calendar. Changed my life changed my life. Google Calendar, I owe my whole life to, and Google in general, I owe my life to, um, if I count YouTube. So for me, it's like, I'm going to get done what I really want to get done. Um, that's why when people tell me like, oh, busy, I can't make it, this and that. Like, no, you're not. I, I run three or four, you know, massive companies. Um, you know, I think you got the time. So for me, yeah. I try to, um, I try to audit my time as well. So 
I'll take a random day out of the month and just like audit what did I do for this hour, what did I do for this hour. I'm like, oh, I watched Netflix for three hours and I'm complaining why I'm stressed out because I didn't get something done. Oh, right. So then you start to be, hold yourself accountable. Um, and then I try to always focus on production. So right now what we're doing is we're producing. We're producing content that's gonna live on for a very long time that could potentially impact even one life, a hundred lives, a million lives, who knows? Who knows 10 years from now people dig through this and find the archives, right? And it's like, wait a second. You, everyone now is going and digging Elon Musk early days. Mm -hmm. What did he do back then? What did he, you know? So who knows who's gonna pull this up 25 years from now, right? And so for me, I think about production instead of consumption. If I'm watching Netflix, I should be making a Netflix. If I'm, you know, whatever I'm doing, um, I try to write more emails than I read emails. I try to do more. I try to post more than I watch on Instagram. I'm always posting. Yep. Um, once you get into the production mode, you realize that consumption is not as exciting anymore because immediately you start to consume Shark Tank and you got a good idea and you pause it and you go and work on something. Yeah. Production is always more um, exciting than consumption if you do it long enough. That's why painters spend more time painting than at art galleries. You know, it's like you got to spend more time. Chefs spend more time in the kitchen than at other restaurants. Like yep. you do your market research, but you want to be cooking. You want to be making. You want to be painting. You want to be coding. You know, that's what you want to do. And so for me, I try to say, am I spending at least half of my week on production versus consumption? Um, where am I consuming? Am I getting paid for that consumption? Or what way am I getting paid? Or am I just lying to myself that I'm getting paid? Right? I'm like, oh, I'm on Instagram, yeah. but I'm doing research on ads. It's like, no, you're not. You're just looking at whatever. Yeah. So like, I try to be really real with myself. And then I try to time block. This hour, I'm going to do this. These two hours, I'm going to watch Netflix. And when I do that, it's like these two hours I'm watching Netflix, I'm literally cool with it. Like tonight, I'm probably going to watch a documentary. Like I'm excited for Friday night. Yeah. Because I don't have to come in the office the next day. I've got time to catch up on emails. And I'm going to enjoy it. Right? I take those two hours, turn off my phone, and I sit there and watch the documentary. I get some snacks or I want to watch something crazy that has nothing to do with business. And it's a complete waste of time, but it makes you feel good. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I have a massage, hour and a half. That's what I'm going to do, and that's all I'm going to do. And you realize you've got 20 hours a day that you can do with what you want. And you realize if you time block, you can get a lot done. The next phase of that is having a good team because yep. then you get to multiply yourself. So I would say time block and audit your time. I love it. Someone's going to be listening to this interview in 10 years, you said. Where's Snow going to be in 10 years? Um, you know, hopefully um, at least 10 times the size, right? Um, size is important. Um, I think that uh, people underestimate what can be done in 10 years. That's why, like, you really have to think 10 years out. And I think that our our vision is always to be creating products to help people feel good about themselves. So hopefully we've got 20, 30, 40, 50 products that are – you know, hopefully top of their class, hopefully, you know, um, impacting millions of people's lives. We've impacted 500,000 lives, multiply 10, we should have 5 million customers by then. You know, uh, that means that, you know, the company is, is hopefully worth, you know, a lot of money. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, it's 10 years, 10 years is a long time, but it's also a short time. Like I, these last three or four years have flown by. Um, I think after you turn like 18, like time just disappears. And I used to like, I used to hate when older people would tell me that. They'd be like, oh, you'll see, your 30s are just going to fly by. And I'm like, oh, that's horrible. That's depressing. Uh, not for me. I love life. But you realize like your head's down, you're doing stuff. I've traveled the world. I continue to travel the world. 
I, you know, I've had 25 cars by now. Like things just happen. It just happens so fast. So I think 10 years from now, the difference is you don't really start like living, living until you're like 18 or out of college. So really I'm only, I just turned nine years old. So for me, like I'm a nine year old. So for me, like I'm a baby, I'm probably making mistakes right now that I'm gonna look back a year or two years from now, 10 years from now and say, what an idiot. Um, that's just part of it. But I think 10 years from now, if there's an opportunity where we can partner with a, with a brand that makes sense and I'm able to help them continue the legacy of snow and it makes sense to a buyout, maybe an IPO makes sense. I don't know. Otherwise I'm going to stick to my core, which is building products that are truly world-class that impact people's lives, build a, a valuable business. If you do things that are correct in business, you have profit margin, good profits, good revenue growth, great reviews, great customers, great partners, retail partners, etc. You've built a sellable business. So at any time you can sell it. And some of the best brands I look at Cliff Bar uh, is a phenomenal business. They're privately owned. They built an incredible business. Cliff Bar's everywhere. Like I can't you can't find one person who hasn't had a Cliff Bar. Um, Kind Bar is another one. Like there's a lot of companies that um, you know Sarah Blakely with Spinx, you know, billionaire she still owns the company, but she could sell that thing at any moment. So I think the key is to build something like Sphinx, to build something that is worth the decent amount of money so that at any point that I want to retire and I, or I want to hire a CEO and maybe I don't sell the company or we want to IPO. The ultimate goal is if you build your company to IPO, that means everything else has to be done perfectly, like almost perfectly, like really well. So the best way I say is pretend like 10 years from now you're going to IPO and then go backwards from there. Are you treating your accounting correctly? Do you have a good lawyer? Do you have treat your team members well? Are you creating really good products? Are you getting sued? Are you scamming people? What's gonna happen when you ring that bell and all the truth comes out? Because when you go public, everything is out. Every financial, every number, how much you spend on coffee every day, every number is under scrutiny of the public because it's no longer your company, it's a public's company. And it's you're you're just a steward of that company. So if you plan to go public and reverse engineer from there, you'll stop screwing around, you'll stop doing things, you'll start thinking, how can I hire better people? How can I get a better lawyer? How can I get a better accountant? You know, would this look good if it was on the New York Times homepage? You know, it's like, you know, what is that headline going to look like? Mm-hmm. Is it going to say, uh, you know, Jeff gets ousted as CEO? for berating or degrading employees, which just happened to the right. away CEO, yeah. the suitcase company. Yeah. Um, is it gonna come out that, you know, whatever, right? Or is it gonna say, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos is a great CEO, right? Uh, and continues to drive the market value of that company. What is your headline gonna be New York Times, reverse engineer from there? For me, I hope it's that, you know, uh, this guy and his team took on, you know, a massive market and changed the way we thought about oral care and we're in five million homes in one way or another. And people said, I never thought about oral care that way until I saw Josh's products and what his team was doing. And my team members say, I learned the most in 10 years and I would have learned 50 years at any other company. And I, I owe my learnings to Snow, not to me, but to Snow, which is our baby. And to see that baby grow up and be proud of that baby. I love it. Do you guys get any more questions? So I'll, I'll ask the same question that I just asked, but personally now so we've talked a lot about snow what what does 10 20 50 you, you know you said you want to live like 60 70 more years 
what does that timeline look like for Josh? I mean, one of the things that's been a passion of mine um, is investing in other entrepreneurs. Um, I don't do any of it currently. I'm pretty much 100% focused on building my brands, right? Um, but the spillover is I'm also building my personal brand. So as that personal brand grows, I have amazing deal flow right now. So I see some amazing companies, you know, some 1 million, some 50 million, some 500 million come into my inbox that are, you know, looking for investment. They're looking for help. They're looking to grow. Um, you'll be surprised. Even a $500 million company is like desperate for growth. Every company is desperate for growth and figuring out new markets. So I hope that, um, I hope that one day, um, you know, I can, um, uh, you know, I can have, I can step back a little bit, not completely. I, um, I want to make sure that things are being done well. I'm not a micromanager, I'm a macro manager, which I think makes me really easy to work with, but also means that I get taken advantage of easily. Like I macro manage. So I just hire great people, trust them, right? We haven't lost one person at Snow since we started because it's about hiring the right person, giving them the keys to the truck and not telling them every step. Like the last thing you want is dad telling you how to drive. Right, like, oh, what are you doing? Whoa, right? It's like, let yeah. me drive, or you know, let me drive. Like, just give me the, give me the keys. So uh, I give my all of my team members the keys. Everybody's treated equally here. Um, but I hope that one day um, we've done a good enough job that I can step back a little bit and start to become even more involved in the community, most mostly in the entrepreneurship community. So being able to invest and advise um, lots of companies, uh, you know, write books. Um, you know, be able to sit on panels, be able to impact a lot of people. But I think from a business standpoint, I will then become, you know, um, hopefully a successful investor and a high profile investor in um, mainly direct to consumer companies, um, but all types of companies. Uh, and just be able to take the experiences and all the learnings and the network I built by building Snow and offer that up with some cash to other entrepreneurs who were who are at where I was at a year ago or two years ago or three years ago and say I know exactly where you're at let me help you out let me bring my team um, that's where I hope to do in retirement right like I, I can never stop working yeah. but I, th I think I could do that for 40 years of my life I have a question kind of touching on that so like from a personal perspective right it's obviously financial goals are always important but do you ever look at yourself and say hey like one of my goals is to become a billionaire or how do you think about money that way yeah, I mean, I used to like. I used to think like, I was like, oh, you know, I want to be a millionaire, and then I was like, okay, I want to like be a ten millionaire. And it's like I want to be a billionaire, and then what happened is that once I realized, like, once I started making over two hundred to five hundred, that two hundred five hundred thousand dollar a year range, um, you pretty much can eat whatever you want. You can pretty much, um, you know, do whatever you want. I mean, you're not flying private every day. You're not like you don't have a full time chef. You know, certain things like that, but in terms of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, foods, uh, shelter, and security, you can live in a really good place, very secure, feel great. You can, um, you know, have a maid, clean your house every week. You can, you know, eat nice steakhouse dinners. You can do a lot of stuff. You can fly first class. So you're making $500,000 a year. You can do a lot of stuff. Beyond that, uh, the cars get a little bit faster. The, the, the plane gets smaller, but more private. Um, you know, the food doesn't get that much better, but maybe you get a chef in house. There's not much else that changes. Um, so, you know, when you look at billionaires, they're not doing it because there's something of benefit for the money. They do it because they become obsessed about growth. 
they become it's a game it's a sport of business Mm -hmm. we keep track by market cap so it's how much is your company worth and so the scoreboard is not how many games did you win but you know how many battles have you won to build value in your company so for me i think about it in terms of numbers of customers i think that's the easiest way for me to think about it as soon as i start thinking about money ego starts to creep in and i've done all i can possible to make sure my ego stays in check and um, the best way to do that is to think about um, your market size your market opportunity and also to think about the other side which is um, giving money away and you realize that Bill Gates is you know richest guy in the world he still can't solve all the problems mm-hmm. and you realize he's giving away billions and billions of dollars and he's scratched the surface he's done more than a lot of people if not everyone but he's scratching the surface and you're like what so when you look at you will you will be the always be poor in the nonprofit world because there's never enough to give. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like how much can how many customers can I impact? Fifty million. Well, that means that maybe I've got a billion dollars by then, which means how then can I flip that around and impact fifty million? Yeah. So if I've taken money from fifty million people, how can I then give it back to fifty million people? So the more customers I can have, one billion customers, that means I get a chance like Microsoft to impact one billion people. So I'm constantly looking at both sides of the equation. But if I look at the center, which is simply the transfer of money, we're simply loan, we're simply renting the money we have, like the wealth we have, we're renting it because it gets passed down the generation. It gets passed down to other people. You give it away, you lose it in a lawsuit, you lose it in a divorce. You're simply holding on to the money, it's not yours. So what you do with it is more important. So for me, looking at the middle and saying, I want a billion dollars, I want this. For me, it's more exciting to look at this side because then I get options mm-hmm. and options are more important. Money gives you options, but I feel like I'd be much more proud to say, you know, I made 500,000 a year for the next 60 years of my life, ate whatever I wanted, did what I wanted, but uh, I didn't have five Bugattis, you know, I didn't have a Bugatti at all, right? But I got to rent one, I got to drive in one, my buddy's got one. Like I'd rather do that for 50 years and say snow is, you know, in 1 billion households. Like I'd rather have that be the thing and that, that we have less than a 1% refund rate. Everyone loves the products. And they're like, hey, we love your products. I'd rather have that than be simply an unknown, like just have a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, the grand scheme of things, it'd be great because I can give that away, I can help people. But I also, like, I'm an entrepreneur. So like, for me, what do I derive my worth from? I derive my worth from impact and size of my business. And because of the size of your business, if you run a good business, you end up becoming extremely wealthy. That's just part of it. Yep. But uh, my sport is in how big my business is, the market cap of my company. How much money's in my pocket? That's a different game. That's an ego game. I'm not in the sport of ego. I'm in the sport of business, right? A little bit of ego, everyone's got ego, right? And mine spikes here and there, and I try to keep track of it. But sport of business is market cap. How much is your company worth? How much money are you making for your investors? How well are you doing for your customers? Play that business or play that game and everything else is easy because you got a power platform to say, I am the founder of Snow. And they say, I love your products. Sir, come sit over here. Don't pay mm-hmm. for your deal, your, your meal. It's like being a celebrity without the um, obligation to you know, do something as a celebrity. But I, I feel like being a CEO is kind of the new rock star. Yes. Absolutely. You guys got anything else? I love it. Um, 
think we, we touched on a lot of stuff. We rocked him, my man. Josh, awesome. just want to say thank you so much. You for bet. It's funny. So we, we sat down once, but we never put it out. So I'm glad that we all rekindled today. This is perfect, yeah. This and is really, great. really, we're able to have this conversation. I know we went longer than anticipated, but I just want to say I appreciate you for taking the time out of your busy of course, schedule to yeah. block out this time to do this. Like I, I said, we, we have no idea it. how many people are going to listen to this. And people yeah. who follow me know that um, a lot of times my podcasts run long. <laughs> um, but I try not to just speak out of my ass. I try to really think of what can provide value for the end listener. And uh, uh, generally, people send in and say, you know, this is the best podcast I've heard, things like that. And so that tells me that, because I feel a little bit embarrassed sometimes if I take an hour on stage or something. And I'm like, oh, I took up a lot of time. Um, but then I think about it, it's like, I don't stand up there to talk just to talk. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I got a business to run, yeah. I've got things to do. But I'm like, what if. A thousand people listen to this and it hits 50 people and I get messages all day long they're like I listen to that podcast and I needed that I was really on the edge of giving up on my life and like just hearing that and seeing the similarities in our life gives me hope and I feel like that to me is like that's a bigger purpose I love it Ooh. with that being Thumbs said everyone listening Make sure you go follow. Where can they follow you on Instagram? I know Josh a, Snow <laughs> at Josh Snow, and be prepared for some some of the most amazing memes on Instagram <laughs> if you follow Josh right now. It's it's funny because he'll be he'll be posting about business and entrepreneurship, and then the next thing is the hottest meme in the game, and it'll just make your day. <laughs> so be prepared. But Josh, that being said, everyone make sure you follow Josh and trysnow.com. Make sure you check it out. And that being said, I will talk to you guys wait, soon. Wait, quickly, guys, Whoa. all of Casey's fans. If you liked this setup with Jeffrey and I being here, <laughs> let us know. Let Casey know. DM him because we're thinking about maybe starting a podcast with all three of us like this. So this was like the, the pilot episode. Or maybe so us being on some more podcasts. Yeah, no, I forgot to say one. too. And thank you for uh, Kieran and Jeff being here. This is the first time we've ever tested this. So let us know and let me know what you thought about this three-person dynamic as like co-hosts for the guests, which was Josh today. So yeah, appreciate you bringing that up, Kieran. Yeah, cool. Fire. Peace.